Hello and welcome to another Pharmacy and Practice podcast. Um, we've got our first first professor on the on the podcast this morning. Extremely proud to have have someone uh, so eminent come on and uh, talk about a new book, an encyclopedia, no doubt, no, no less that uh, that's about to be published. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, Professor? Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Zahir Babur. I'm a professor in medicines and healthcare at the uh, Department of Pharmacy, uh, University of Huddersfield here in West Yorkshire in England. Um, I'm also director of pharmaceutical policy and practice research center at the university. So um, my background is I'm a pharmacist and I have worked in um, four countries as an academic, uh, which include um, Pakistan, Malaysia, New Zealand, and now I'm here in the United Kingdom. Goodness me, you've got plenty to keep you busy there. A fantastic, yeah. <laughs> fantastic array of uh, of roles there. Um, so I'm keen to talk about your book, just get straight into it. So so tell me about this uh, unique um, encyclopedia of, of uh, that, that, that you've been editing. Tell, tell us all about it. Yeah. No, thank you, Jonathan, for, for asking me to speak um, about this encyclopedia. It's a very good opportunity to tell our readers about it. Um, it's uh, basically a project which started about uh, uh, two, or two and a half years ago in 2016. So um, approached Elsevier, and Elsevier asked me to write a proposal about it. Um, so it's an encyclopedia which covers um, topics in social pharmacy, pharmacy practice, pharmacy practice research methods, um, pharmacy education, professional development and workforce, and also topics in clinical pharmacy. So Encyclopedia has about um, 180 chapters currently in production. So it took us about two and two years to actually finish the encyclopedia. Um, one, I mean, some of the salient features of the encyclopedia are that uh, there are books, of course, on pharmacotherapy and on clinical pharmacy, but we didn't have really anything which is current and up to date um, in terms of concepts which are related to social behavioral and administrative aspects of pharmacy or detailed concepts on pharmacy education, um, professional development and workforce. Um, and one of the things which I, um, we have a lot of case studies uh, in developed countries, the, the pharmacy education regulation, but we also have a lot of components on, on developing and low and middle income countries as well. So my idea was actually that how do we um, encompass some of the topics which are not being represented currently um, in the other textbooks. For example, we have chapters on pharmaceutical policy. Uh, how pharmaceutical policy operates in the, in the global context. So many of the topics which were not in the mainstream, so I try to bring in those topics as well. So you would see that there is a lot of focus on these issues. Um, I'm the editor-in-chief of Encyclopedia, but I have um, other section editors who have actually worked with me on um, different components of encyclopedia. For example, um, I have Professor Kath Ryan, um, who is a social pharmacy professor at University of Reading, uh, co-editing the section on social administrative aspects of pharmacy. Um, I have Professor Tim Chen from Sydney University um, coming together on pharmacotherapy aspects or 
Professor Zubin Austin from Toronto looking at pharmacy practice, or Ariadna Mastrovich um, uh, from FIP looking at pharmacy education. Um, so we have these different uh, uh, people who are involved uh, from the different parts of the uh, world actually contributing in the designing and articulating. We have Dr. Tim, um, uh, we have uh, Dr. Louis Scaley from the University of Auckland. So there are other people who are actually sort of uh, involved. Um, one of the salient feature, another feature is that we have a big component on pharmacy practice research methods. Uh, because if you look at um, the literature, you don't really see much in that space. So I thought um, it's going to contribute in, in that capacity. So we are not only updating the literature, but we're also contributing the newer chapters in the space where we felt that pharmacy education and policy and practice, uh, we have less material or, or we have scarcity of material on those topics. Very, very interesting. So you've, you've really been quite entrepreneurial in terms of um, identifying um, gaps in, in, in the pharmacy press market, really. Um, which I think will be incredible, you know, very helpful, especially around the research piece. Yeah, um, because as as I said, the the idea was not just to produce a book, but the idea was to produce an encyclopedia, which covers some of the topics which are sort of underrepresented in the pharmacy uh, practice and policy space, uh, which gives a sort of you know shift and say that these are the these are the things which need to be in the pharmacy which were which are not there or we didn't have you know material so it has provided a lot of opportunity for the uh, for the people actually to contribute and we have got some of the best experts in the field i didn't have the exact numbers with me but if you count that average chapter is written by three people at least and i mean we have four or five six people as well then easily it goes more than 500 authors or i don't know i, I didn't count the number of countries maybe 40 to 50 countries around the world Wow, those are big numbers. <laughs> That's a big number, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm going to ask to give me the CV to give me the numbers, and and many of these people are actually very respected, well respected in their field, and they have spent their lives, um, you know, working and researching on on the topics which they would like to do. So that's, uh, and I I hope that I mean people would uh, the, the contribution which we have made, people would appreciate that and would use it um, as a resource. And it will be published in June 2019. At this stage, it's complete. The chapters have gone to production and um, it will be published on 24th of June 2019 by Elsevier. Wow, so so this is the moment. Uh, you see, I don't get that with, uh, with publishing stuff online. It's very immediate and there's an immediate um, you know, dissemination of the information across, across various platforms and so on. So now you're in this... Uh, you're in this no man's land where you can you can sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor uh, yeah. in, in anticipation of it coming out. That must be quite nice. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because last four months and even during the Christmas break, or January, February, um, I was just counting the number of hours. And I think it may be interesting to tell the readers that how much time it has in terms of time commitment. I would have easily spent thousands of hours and I'm not exaggerating. Um, I mean, the encyclopedia of this nature I was not expecting this much work, to be honest with you, um, but it turns out to be a lot of work. So I think my advice, anyone who is willing to do a handbook or encyclopedia, be prepared to be at invest a lot of time 
actually um, working with the authors, working with the colleagues. But at the end of the day, there is a lot of satisfaction as well because we have given opportunity to a lot of people uh, in this space, but at the same time to contribute something which was already not, which was not there before. And it must, you know, it's testament to your uh, your reputation, obviously, that you you've been able to, you know, basically phone these people up um, and or email them, and 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 of course they all say yes. They, you know, your your reputation clearly goes before you. One one question I wanted to ask you, and you've sort of answered it already, so so forgive me, but it's specifically around this thing that uh, Simon Sinek always says. So he he always says start with why. So. So why did you do this? Why? What drive? What drove you to uh, spending all those, you know, thousands of hours and so on and so forth to to produce this? Um, I think my journey started with editing my first book um, in two thousand fourteen. I I got a sabbatical from University of Auckland. So when you work with the university for six years, they would give you one year to do research, and it's fully paid. Basically, it's a reward. That you can use it. I mean, there is a process, but if you have done well uh, in the university, university would give it to you. So I was lucky. I mean, I was fortunate to have a sabbatical research and study leave. And Chris Carswell, who is the editor of Pharmacoeconomics um, from New Zealand, he published one of my articles on pricing, ESMA pricing in 52 countries. So he asked me, Zahir, would you like to do a book on drug prices? And I said, editing book and I said, well, I thought about it and I said, what's the benefit of it? But I said, yes, I would do it. When I started doing it, I realized that um, I can do it quickly. So I asked him, can I do another book? So he said, yes, you can do that. So I put a proposal for pharmacy practice research methods for my second book. So after doing my second book, I, I got into this. And since then I've done five or six books on different topics. Um, the point is that when you're doing these things, you don't really get an idea of how it's going to influence and impact other people. But when you see when some of this material come out and people say that you're using it in their teaching, they're using it in their research as a resource material, you see that people are holding it, people sending you pictures and really reading it, then you see that, oh, no, it's not going to something which is actually going to be, you know, is going somewhere in someone's desk and nobody's using it. So, so you see, you get a sort of inspiration that if you create something, it may be useful for people. So I think from my point of view, it's been that I've been an academic for 18 years as a full-time pharmacy academic. And I see a lot of space where there was no material or where I thought I could contribute pharmacy in global space, uh, giving some of the ideas which are sort of, you know, underrepresented for example, in pharmaceutical policy in developing countries, or how do you bridge the gap between developed and developing countries? All, all sorts of material where you see that uh, pharmacy could make an impact in global health. So I think these were some of the drivers which um, encouraged me to, to do something of this nature um, and something of this scale. And I must say that I'm, I'm very lucky uh, to have a network of global friends and colleagues who have trusted on me with, with their work. Um, so because this would not have been possible without the support, the people, the colleagues, the researchers and authors who have given me all around the globe. And I wouldn't single out a single country. I mean, we have people from United States, Canada, Malaysia, New Zealand, Australia, um, 
all parts of the world basically have contributed uh, significantly on this uh, project. I think I think that that's the thing that uh, fascinates me speaking to you is is how on earth you got all these people together. I mean, the numbers of I know I mentioned it before. The number of people involved in this is yeah. is colossal to be honest. Um, so so well done. Um, and I do I do. This is a completely unfair comparison with the, with my uh, pharmacy publication, pharmacy and practice. But we do have a there's a like a CPD cycle form that people can fill in, and I, I I understand what you mean. It is absolutely lovely when people fill that in and something they've read, yeah, uh, they've reflected on it, and it changes their practice. Just something, just really simple stuff, but that 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 gives you purpose to keep going and and publishing more stuff and and helping them reflect and so on so I mean you're going to do that many many times over um and it's as I say it's a completely unfair comparison to make but but I'm going to make it anyway um so what I know these projects these long projects they they ebb and flow and uh, and you mentioned that it was, you know, it was tricky but rewarding. So, what was the worst bit? Was there a really difficult topic or or area to cover in the book? I think the worst bit was that um, basically communication. And uh, I'm very, I consider myself a very organized person, but I have to be on top of it. A um, lot of hard work communicating with the people and giving the right message. Uh, how are we going to use the material? What is the worth of the material? What what it would be. And then personally, it's not just about communicating. Actually, it's about really hard work. So sometime I have edited chapters 15 or 20 times personally, sitting down and working on them. So it's not some kind of a fancy thing where you just send through emails and you get emails and then you press the button and one chapter is done. It's a lot of hard work basically, where you actually edit other people's work. Um, and I must say that we were 95 to 99% successful in that. But there were instances where you can't really say yes to everyone, where the quality of the material was very bad. And we have to turn down people and say, no, this is not really good. There were a few instances where I felt very, very difficult how to say no. I mean, we. We tried our best to to decrypt the space and to correct it and and to do all sorts of editing wherever we we see the possibility that it's going to work. But in some instances, we there were we we felt that it's not going to, and we have to say no to people. So I think I felt it it was very very difficult and hard for me to say no. Mm, that's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it is. What's your what's your something I've suffered. Um, already, as a as an 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 editor, is is plagiarism. I'm not not suggesting you have, but yeah. have you have you encountered that in your career? Um, yes, but but I think there were two ways to counter it. There were some chapters where I suspected there was some element, and we we looked at it, turn it, and and uh, we asked people to change it or do things. But then there were instances where where you see that a lot of people who were coming to us, we already know them who they are, and 90% of them were academics, or even more than that. So I think they were reputed people who would not, I mean, um, we can say that they know what plagiarism is. And I'm not saying that that we shouldn't be checking everything, but 
But a lot of things actually depend on the reputation or you would read, it would give you the sort of give you the, the feeling because I, but I think, because I think as an editor, you, you get, as you read a lot, you get experience of that, whether it's a copy paste or something new in it. So I think we use different sort of methods to basically assess that. And I've been working in as an editor. I'm not a new editor. I've been running my own journal for 10 years, Journal of Pharmaceutical Policy and Practice. So I've got experience in that space to mm -hmm. basically judge and see whether whether there's some sort of, you know, um, problems with that or would it be, you know, changed or, and many a times we question people, we ask them, um, we look on the internet, we see what they have published before, things like, so there are different methods to to come to that, to, to look and verify and check the accuracy. But I think this is a very valid, valid question we have asked. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, that, and, that's, and it's difficult to face into that, I guess, but I, I do, th I, I'm taking the conversation off on a tangent a wee bit, but, uh, so apologies about that, but, I do think the the copyright um, laws are not observed um, as maybe they sh always should be online. I think it, it's still a little bit like the Wild West, and um, and and you know simple things like asking permission to use photos, um, all this kind of thing. I'm I'm I try to be very careful about that, but not everyone is unfortunately. So when I you're, think. When you're, yeah, I think LCV was dealing that part, so I gave them this part, so they are really good at it. Uh, and I, I don't think so. We have many photos in our encyclopedia. It was, we have figures and graphs, maybe conceptuals, but it's not more of a, it's not, it's not that we are concentrating on pathophysiology or anatomy or something like that. So I think you would see more of a conceptual product. Got you. Now, on a more positive note and to finish, mm. who... Who should buy this book? Everyone, obviously. Uh, yeah, I think everyone, academics, researchers, and, and uh, uh, definitely, and the governments as well. And uh, because some of the material in there, uh, even international agencies would be interested, for example, WHO, FIP, uh, they would be interested in what is being covered. And, and we have got people there who actually work with these agencies to, to write some of, some of the topics. And, and many, interestingly, many people who have contributed in, the, in this space, and for example, in the social pharmacy space, they were not pharmacists, but they were sociologists who were actually uh, contributing. Um, in pharmacy education, we will see a lot of practitioners who are working with FIP Global Development. So they have put in 25 chapters on that. So I think that must be the biggest resource we have seen on pharmacy educational professional development and workforce in, in the decades. Very good, very good indeed. Um, well, let's, thank you very much. You've, you, I, I'm not sure whether you're aware, but you're you're actually my uh, my first ever book review. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been it's been most interesting speaking to you. And um, as I've said a number of times, huge amount of respect already before I even see the book, simply for the volume of work you've had to get through, and also the people you've had to pull together to to make this thing happen. It's uh, Quite remarkable, and I'm I, I'm I'm hopeful that that many folk listening will look out for the encyclopedia when it's published. I, and I should ask, where <laughs> this is a bit commercial, so apologies, but where can it be purchased? Will it be available on Amazon? Yeah, and, and yeah it's available on both electronic and uh, print format as well. So it will be published in the hard copy format. So I think there is a link on the LCBA website, and 
if you go to the link, then it will take you to Amazon. And, but um, those people who have who are the university academics, um, it will be indexed in ScienceDirect. So ScienceDirect is a popular uh, electronic resource which are subscribed by most of the university libraries in the world, I mean, in the developed world. So if you have access to ScienceDirect, whole encyclopedia would be available on that. But if you like, you can also buy hard copy. Excellent. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and uh, I wish you all the best with it and look forward to seeing it. Oh, thank you so much, Jonathan. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to contribute and share my views. Thank you. Wonderful. See you soon, hopefully. See you.